Hey everyone, welcome back to Money on a Mission, episode eight. Today, we're gonna talk about working and earning. Let's get started. With all the challenges money brings, how can we manage our finances in a way that aligns with our values? To answer this question, I've looked to mentors, books, and most importantly, the Bible. Join me as we seek to glorify God and love others in the way we manage our finances. This is Money on a Mission. All right, welcome back. Last time we wrapped up the first segment, the first half, if you will, of this show, and that was all about the subjective understanding of money. We talked about the proper understanding of it, 10 things that are more valuable than it. We talked about the purpose of money. We talked about stewardship versus ownership and then receiving God's blessing and provision. And today we're going to start talking about some of the more actionable, practical steps that we can take with our money. So the first thing that we need to do before we can do any managing of money is earn some money. So that's what we're going to start with today is working and earning. We'll talk about why we work, the reasons that we should work and earn an income, and also how we should go about working, the ways that we should work and what we should be doing in order to earn that income. So let's get right into it. First, let's talk about why. There are a handful of good reasons to work. Let's just start first with two reasons that are not right. So first, we should not be working in order to make a name for ourselves. Let's go to Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. This is the story that you've probably heard, the Tower of Babel. And it says, Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And so God is watching them build this tower saying, we're going to be greater than God. We're going to reach up to the heavens. We're going to build a name for ourselves. And in order to protect them from our own pride, God steps in and verses 7 and 8 say, Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Their pride, their desire to earn a name for themselves was making them think that they were going to become greater than God, thus distancing them from God and leading them away from following him the way that they knew they should and the way that we should as well. So God steps in in order to protect them confuses their language and says, this is not a reason to be working. This is not the motivation behind building something together. You should be doing it to glorify him, not to honor yourselves and build a name for yourselves. Okay. The second wrong reason to work is working is not for the purpose of chasing after wealth. Proverbs 23 verses four through five says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle towards heaven. This goes back to what we talked about many times. Chasing after money for its own sake will lead you away from God by becoming your master. And work is not about chasing after money. And besides, this verse tells us that if we're working just for the money, the money's just going to up and fly away anyways. So there's really no purpose in working solely for the money. And again, we've talked about this over and over in Money on a Mission. We know that we serve God, not money. And we know that piling up money in our bank accounts is not the purpose of money anyways. So this is not why we should be striving to work. Okay, now that we've covered those two, let's look at the right reasons to work. And there are a lot. 
The first one is to provide for your family. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This verse is pretty harsh, but it's the truth. We need to provide for our families, and working is a way to do that. We give them shelter, food, clothes, and in a way, this verse kind of talks about working for money, which we just said was not the reason to work, right? But it's not working for the money's sake. It's working for what the money can do in order to provide for your family. And that's what we talked about last time. The purpose of money is to provide. So one of the reasons to work is for that same reason to provide for your family. The second reason that we should work is to provide for others. On top of providing for our family, we can also earn money that provides for those around us as well. Deuteronomy 24 verses 19 through 21 says, When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. This verse really leads us into a conversation about giving, but we'll have a whole episode on that in a few weeks. The other thing that we can learn from that verse for today's topic is that it shows us that working provides for others indirectly as well as providing for us and our families directly. By producing and earning, there's more to go around in general. So while this verse does hint at giving, It's also addressing the indirect benefit that work has by providing for others simply by creating more produce, more wealth, and more work opportunities for people outside the family. This verse is talking about producing crops and says, don't take every last bit in for yourself, but let the benefits overflow so that others can come and grab some too. And we can apply this to work and business in the modern day in whatever area you work as well. When we grow a business, when we work to provide We shouldn't necessarily be focused on taking every penny that we can out of it. We should allow it to grow and indirectly benefit everyone around us. And then that leads us right into the next reason that the Bible tells us to work. So number three is to provide value to others and to your community and to seek the welfare of your city. Jeremiah 29 verse 7 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find welfare. So we should work to provide for the welfare of the city, the whole community around us. A great example of this can be found in Esther chapter 10, verse 3. For Mordecai, the Jew, was second in rank to King Ahasuerus, and he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers. For he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all his people. Mordecai sought the welfare of his people, and that made him great, and the people loved him. When we work and earn, we don't just lift up ourselves and our families, but we lift up the entire community. So we should work to provide a product or a service that benefits others. I think that when we ask the question, why is it important to work? It's easy to jump to the first two reasons we talked about. Well, I work to provide for my family, or I work so that I can provide for others. But these verses show us that our work should also be about what is provided by the work itself, not just by the money that we earn from it. So when you think about, why do I work? We should also have an answer that sounds something like, 
I work because my job blesses others. The service that I provide, the product that I produce makes a difference in people's lives. There's a second part to this discussion too. Let's look back at the end of Jeremiah 29.7. Seek the welfare of your city because in its welfare, you will find welfare. This can be applied to the discussion of the economy as a whole. When we provide value through our work, when we work to grow the business that we work for, we lift up the entire economy. The more wealth we produce, the more wealth there is to go around. When we earn, we then spend, which provides earnings for someone else, who then spends again. And this repeats in an upward cycle, lifting up everybody in the entire economy. So, though this might seem like a secondary or an indirect benefit of our work, second to the income that it provides to us directly, it is something that we should strive for. We should be striving to grow in our jobs and grow our businesses because by growing that, we in turn help to grow the economy as a whole, benefiting so many others besides just our families and ourselves. Okay, so far we've said some good reasons to work are to provide for yourself and your family, to provide for others and for your community, and to help grow the economy in your city as a whole. So now let's move on to the most important reason to work, to glorify God and to follow his will for you. This is our purpose, not just in our work, but in our life. Work is just one way we can honor him. And we do it using the same steps that we talked about last time of putting our money on a mission so that we can put our work on a mission. And that is, listen to the Lord, obey him, commit our work to the mission he has for us. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 21. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. That is exactly what I want to be for God, a vessel for honorable use, useful to him and ready for every good work. When God looks down and he wants to accomplish something in this world, we should be ready so that he can look and call on us to accomplish that good work. He searches around the whole earth looking for those who are devoted to him. And when he sees somebody who is ready for good work and he knows your heart and he knows you're going to work with the right reasons and do the right things with the money that it provides, then he just might call on you thinking this person will accomplish my will if I ask. So I will call them to do it. Okay, so how do we do this? This verse says, cleanse ourselves from what is dishonorable. For me, that means going back to episodes three and four and remembering the 10 things that are more valuable than money. If we work with these things in mind and we always prioritize them over money, then our work will be done with righteousness, integrity, humility, wisdom, and contentedness, and we will not be serving ourselves, our pride, or our bank accounts, but following God's word and God himself. Let's look at a few more verses. Jeremiah 5, verses 4 through 5. Then I said, These are only the poor. They have no sense, for they do not know the way of God, the justice of their God. I will go to the great and will speak to them, for they know the way of the Lord and the justice of their God. The great know the way of the Lord. This verse doesn't necessarily clarify a causal relationship. It doesn't say, if you are great, then you will know the way of the Lord, or if you know the way of the Lord, then you will be great. But it does definitely show us that they're correlated. So I take this verse to mean, know the way of the Lord, and if he chooses to make me great, so be it, I will honor him even more. 
And I want to apply that to our working as well. Know the way of the Lord so that we can listen him and obey him in the calling that he has for us. All right, one more verse on this. James 4, verses 13 through 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. This verse is such a powerful reminder that we work to serve God and not ourselves. And this verse is especially impactful for me. See, I am a planner. I have weekly goals and yearly goals and a five and a 10 year plan. So I often find myself thinking about where I'll be and what I'll be doing in the future. I think this is fine. It's good to know your goals and to move towards them. But in every step, I always need to remember this verse and know that those future goals will only happen if the Lord wills. So at each step along the way, I may know which way will take me down my path, but I also need to step and listen to God and follow his path, even if it takes me in a completely different direction. We've covered why we should work to provide for ourselves and our families and our community, and most importantly, to glorify God. So now let's move on to how we should work. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. First, we should enjoy our work. Ecclesiastes 2.24 says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. And then Ecclesiastes 3.22 says, So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for this is his lot. This is awesome. If we're working for the Lord and following his will for us, then we should enjoy it. We know that he's using our work for his purpose, so we can take so much joy in knowing that we aren't just striving after nothing, but we're making a difference and furthering his will on earth. So think about this in your current work life. Do you enjoy your work? Do you like it? Like when you go to work in the morning, are you excited about it? And this doesn't necessarily have to mean every single day, but are you pleased with what you're working for? Are you pleased with what your job or your business is providing? If not, Take some time to really pray and ask God what his will is for you. It might be that he wants you to work somewhere else, but it also might be that he has you exactly where he wants you and where you're supposed to be. You just need to reorient and recognize that he's using you to bless others and glorify him right where you are. Sometimes that simple shift in mindset can turn an unfulfilling job into an incredibly fulfilling mission. I know people who have thought about this before and gone from thinking that their job was worthless and they really just did it so that they could earn a little bit of money and pay the rent. But after orienting their hearts to what God had for them, realized that they had a mission where they were and their job there was not simply to do the work provided in the job description, but to bless those around them, to smile when they interacted with people, to speak encouragement to them and lift them up. And after a little while from shifting this mindset, my friend found that he was making a big difference, despite originally thinking that the job itself wasn't too important. He was able to lead some people to the Lord and encourage people and lift them up and bless them right where he was. So that first lesson, enjoy our work, find our purpose in it and enjoy it. Okay, next, we should work hard. This one can get convicting and there are so many verses on this. God tells us over and over in the Bible that we should work hard. Let's start just with the Proverbs. Proverbs 10, 4. A slack hand causes poverty, 
but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12.11 Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Proverbs 12.14 From the fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hands comes back to him. Proverbs 12.27 Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Proverbs 13.4 The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Proverbs 14.4 Where there is no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Proverbs 14.23 In all toil there is profit, but mere talk lends only to poverty. Proverbs 19.15 Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Proverbs 20, verse 4. The sluggard does not plow in autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. And last, Proverbs 28, verse 19. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. So these verses tell us that whoever works, whoever toils, whoever is diligent will be rewarded. They will profit, they will be richly supplied, they will have abundant crops, and they will have plenty. On the other hand, whoever is slothful, whoever follows worthless pursuits, whoever is a sluggard, whoever merely talks but does not work, whoever does not plow, will find themselves lacking. They will have poverty, they will have hunger, and they will have nothing. These provide a pretty clear contrast. If we are willing to put in the work, if we are willing to put in the toil, there's a reward for that. And if we're not, there's a cost as well. So Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So we should work hard. God is using you for a purpose, so follow him in that with everything you have, and you'll be amazed at how much he can bless you when you are diligent and persistent in the work that he's called you to. Okay, a few more Proverbs. These are for the people who like to hit the snooze button. Proverbs 6 verses 10 through 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. And the same verse is found again in Proverbs 24, verses 33 through 34. Then Proverbs 20, verse 13 says, Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will have plenty of bread. So don't love sleep, love work, love progress, love being a part of God's mission for you. And of course, rest is good. Actually, we're going to have a whole episode all about the Sabbath in a couple of weeks. But in general, we should have a heart of work, a heart of striving to provide value, not for its own sake, but for the value that we can produce. We just talked about following God and working on his mission for you so we can enjoy it. We can find purpose in it. And when we do, we should work really hard at it. If we're working for God's mission, then let's do it well, really, really well and honor him and bless others as we do. All right, let's read one more verse on this from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then jumping forward to verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. God has you on a mission, so commit your work to Him. Work for Him as if He were your only audience, and do it really, really well. Okay, 
Next on how we should work, we should be patient. Let's look at a few Proverbs on this. Proverbs 24, 27. Prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. Proverbs 20, verse 21. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Proverbs 28, verse 20. A faithful man will abound in blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Proverbs 28, 22. A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So we already talked about working with diligence, but some synonyms for diligent are persistent, consistent, committed, and faithful. As we work for the Lord and as we work hard, we need to recognize that success doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, it takes planning, and it takes patience. God sees the work that you put in, and even if it isn't rewarded immediately, we aren't working for the blessing or the reward anyway, or the approval of anyone else except for Him. So we can be fulfilled in our work even as we wait patiently for it to produce its fruit. And then, if we keep working hard and diligently and persistently, like we just finished talking about, then we know that it's going to produce good fruit, even if it takes time. And when it does, that leads us to our last lesson on how we should work, which is, know that success comes from God. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. This is such a great verse. Commit your work to the Lord. He is the one who establishes our plans, and He is the one who blesses us and rewards our work. One of my best friends runs a business, and this is their whole motto. It's on all their packaging, it's on the walls, and this is what they live by. Commit your work to the Lord, and the success is from Him, and not ourselves. This is so powerful. When we're not seeking after our own glory when we work, but seeking after His glory, then we don't take the reward and the glory for ourselves when it's blessed and rewarded. We give it right back to God. We've committed the work to him and we commit the reward to him. We commit the glory to him. And when the money comes, if it does, we manage it on a mission for his glory all over again. Let's look at a few examples. First, in Genesis chapter 29, when Joseph is sold as a slave into Egypt, he still decided to commit his work to the Lord and work hard at his job despite his low status as a slave. So verses three through four say, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. So Joseph's hard work and faithful pursuit of God made all that he did succeed until he was promoted from slave to the overseer of the entire estate. Let's look at another example in 2 Chronicles chapter 17. This is the story of Jehoshaphat who becomes king over Israel. Verses 3-5. through five. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments, and not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. Just like Joseph, Jehoshaphat sought God and followed his commandments, and the Lord established him with great riches and honor. Both of these examples show us that success, honor, riches come not from working hard for our own reward, but
but from committing our work to the Lord, following His will, and allowing Him to bless us if He chooses with those things in return. God is the one who gives success, so God is the one who should get all the credit. Okay, so we've talked about three different ways that we should work. First, enjoy it. You know that God has you on a mission, so find joy in the work that you're doing. Next, work hard. Don't let sloth and laziness come over you and take hold of your mission, but work at it diligently. If you know it's God's will for you, then run forward in it. Strive to make a difference through it. And lastly, commit that work to the Lord. Know that he is the one who gives success, so give him all the credit if and when he does. So if we do those three things, then the last step is be successful. It doesn't say anywhere that we should do all of this only to end up nowhere. We should do these things in order to make a big difference and make a big impact. God is going to use your work. He's going to use it to bless others, to lift up your community, to provide for you and for your family. And you're going to work hard and you're going to be patient in it and you're going to give him the glory. So as you do all that, receive the reward that comes with it. And then if there's money attached to that, manage it on a mission in the ways that we're going to continue talking about as we go further and further into what the Bible says about how we should do that. So a bit of a longer episode today, but such an important one. We all work. We all have a mission and we should be doing it in a way that glorifies him. And if we're doing it the right ways, then we should be successful in it. I pray that you can go out and make a difference. I pray that you can listen to the Lord and follow him. And I pray that your work can be on a mission for God. All right. For more from Money on a Mission, make sure you subscribe so you get the new episodes when they launch. If you think it's worth it, I also would highly encourage you to add a rating and a review. Those make such a big difference in helping this podcast impact more people. Next, head to the website, moneyonamissionpodcast.com, and there you can find show notes and a place to enter your email so you can join the newsletter. I'd also love to engage with you on Instagram. My username is Ned Kingman. Like and comment and then shoot me a direct message if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover on the show. Finally, and most importantly, please share this podcast. If you've gotten any value out of this episode or think this podcast can provide value to anyone you know, hit the share button in your podcast app, text this episode to a friend, or send them a link to the website so they can join the newsletter too. Let's work together to make sure we can impact as many people as possible and change the way our generation manages money. I hope and I pray that you've been blessed through this episode, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, glorify God love others, and always manage your money on a mission.